Have you ever had to make a really tough decision? Um, maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, there's this one time when I had to decide whether to stay in the career that I'm in or make a really tough decision and switch careers. Maybe you had to make a tough decision to leave your career to be at home with your family. Maybe you're sitting there right now thinking, yeah, I have a really tough decision coming up. It's where I want to go to college or or what I want to do and what career path I want to go after. Maybe if you're like me and Anne, your really tough decision happens every Sunday as you sit down and you meal plan for the week. Actually, who am I kidding? It's not me. That's Anne's tough decision. She she does a really good job with that. (laughs) But that's Anne's tough decision that she has every week is what are we going to have for dinner? But life is filled with tough decisions. But then there's some decisions as Christians that we have to make that are very difficult. And while all those other decisions, they're they're tough, these can be even more difficult than that. And that's what Katharina learned. Katharina was a, a nurse in New York City. And as she got to the hospital one day, she was told that she was assigned to help a doctor perform an abortion. And she went and she said, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and uh, I don't really feel comfortable doing this and aiding in this because I believe that baby's a baby and I, I don't feel comfortable doing this. And they told her, well, you have a decision to make. You can either assist in helping with the abortion or you're going to be fired. She had a difficult decision to make. And as Christians living in this world away from our home in heaven, you and I will be faced with difficult decisions that we have to make in regards to our Christian life. Will we keep God number one? Or will we bow down to society? See, the devil knows that our number one relationship Our number one priority in life is God. He's our number one relationship, and He's the number one in our hearts. And so what does He do? He gets the world to scream at us that they want the position that God has in our hearts. And He wants us to bow down to these other gods. And you and I have a tough decision to make because as we try to stand firm, the heat's going to be turned up and the pressure is going to be there. And when the heat of hardship comes, do we stand or do we bow? This is a decision that three men had to make, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in 600 B.C. 600 years before Jesus was even born. They they were living in Babylon in modern-day Iraq under King Nebuchadnezzar's rule. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three Jewish men, and they were living in the kingdom of Babylon. And here is what happens. We're in Daniel chapter 3. If you want to pull out your phone, your Bible, uh, or if you want to follow along in the notes section, here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, 
magistrates, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. All right, so King Nebuchadnezzar, ruling Babylon, makes this huge gold image. Uh, we're told it's 60 cubits high and, and uh, 6 cubits wide. Uh, a cubit w- was from the tip of your finger down to your elbow. So uh, measurements always kind of went back and forth, but essentially it was around 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. It's an image of gold. What was it? Probably one of two things. Either uh, it was a, an image of himself or it was an image representing the gods of Babylon. Babylon was a pluralistic society. They worshipped many gods. And so the thought is it's either an image of him or an image that represents all the gods of Babylon. He calls a, a festival, a dedication to this gold image. And he calls all of the officials in the province of Babylon. These weren't just your average Joe Babylonian. These, these were your who's who. These were your politicians. These were your star athletes. And they're coming together These are the type of people that are coming together for this dedication. And at this dedication, here's what Nebuchadnezzar wants. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. What did he want them to do? As soon as they heard this music playing, He wanted all the officials to fall down and worship the image of gold. Why? Think about it from Nebuchadnezzar's standpoint. He is the number one ruling nation in the world. He has got officials from all different backgrounds, with all different gods, uh, from all different countries, helping rule his provinces. What does he need? Allegiance. And he needs to be able to trust that these guys aren't going to cause some uprising, but that he can trust them ruling in the provinces that they're ruling. What better way to do that than have them all come together and bow down and worship the gods of the Babylonians? Now remember, they're pluralistic society, meaning they have many gods. And so Nebuchadnezzar doesn't care what god they worship at home by themselves. In their own home, if they want to worship their own God, fine. But when they come together as a society, bow down and worship the gods that society says is okay to worship. That's how every pluralistic society works. They're okay with you worshiping the God you want at home, but when you come together as a society, bow down and worship the gods that society worships. Nebuchadnezzar says, If we all do this, we all bow down and worship, I have their allegiance. So let's do this. And all of the music starts playing, and people start bowing down. Except for three guys. Here's what we're told. 
At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a tough decision. They could either go along with everybody else and bow down and worship this gold image, or they could stand up because nothing was going to be in the place of God. They chose to stand up. And they knew that as they stood up, they were going to stick out. Because everyone else is bowed down, and here they are standing up. And so they stand up, and what happens? Some of the other, provincial, uh, uh, some of the other officials become tattletales, and they go and snitch on them. And they say, hey, your majesty, these three Jewish people that you love so much aren't bowing down to your gold image. Obviously, this did not make Nebuchadnezzar happy, so he calls him in. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you, to rescue you from my hand? Now they have another tough decision to make. It was one thing to stand up when it was a general uh, law to bow down and worship this gold image. But now the king has called them out directly. They are standing before the most powerful king at this time. And he's telling them, bow down and worship or I'm going to throw you into the blazing furnace. Now they've got a tough decision. And think of all the excuses they could have made to bow down and worship that God and justify it. They could have said, well, I can go through the motions, but not really believe it in my heart. They could have said, I'm going to bow down now and ask for forgiveness later. They could have said, I'm going to bow down and fit in with everybody else because I, I can do more for God's kingdom alive than dead. But really, every excuse comes back to what? Self-preservation, right? I'm going to save myself by following along. Again, the king didn't care that they worshipped God at home. But when society came together, he wanted them to bow down and worship this gold image. Otherwise, they're going to be thrown into the fire. And they had a tough decision to make. And those are the types of decisions that you and I have to make as well. We too live in a pluralistic society. We live here in America where there's freedom of religion. And so there are many different religions in America. But even outside of organized religion, uh, there's all kinds of idols that society accepts 
There's the idol of success. There's the idol of our careers, the idol of materialism, the idol of our kids, the idol of friends, the idols of sports, the idols of yourself. And the list goes on and on. And society says, it's okay to bow down to these things. In fact, if you don't bow down to these things, you don't fit in. And as a pluralistic society, our society says it's okay to bow down and worship these things. In fact, when we come together, we kind of expect to bow down and worship these things. If you want to worship God, Jesus, you can do it on your own time. But when we come together, bow down to what we say is politically correct to bow down to. And that's when you and I are going to have a tough decision to make. When the heat is on, do we bow down or do we stand up? Again, society doesn't care that we worship Jesus on our own time as long as it's Jesus plus what they consider acceptable. Do we bow down or do we stand up as the heat turns up, as we start getting uh, more fiery looks, as we start to hear uh, the, the fiery abuse, as we start to get threatened to lose our job, our reputation, do we stand up or bow down? And think of the excuses we can use. Well, I'll, I'll bow down, I'll go along with it, but I won't really believe it in my heart. And God knows what's in my heart. Well, I'll bow down now and ask for forgiveness later. Well, I can do more for God's kingdom if I'm fitting in with everybody else than if I stand up and I can't even talk to them because they cast me out. But really, what's behind all those excuses? Self-preservation. We want to keep our reputation. We want to keep our job. We want to keep our spot in the friend circle. We want to keep our spot on the team. We want to keep us alive the way we want to be alive, the way we want to live. How do we know if we're bowing down or if we're standing up? Have you? It, it really comes down to answering this question. Have you faced the heat for standing up for Jesus? Have you faced the heat by saying, no, I'm not going to go along with that because God's my number one? Now, I'm not suggesting you go on social media and, and take your stand and cause all kinds. No, but when you're faced with a situation, do you bow down or do you stand up? If you haven't faced the heat, if you haven't taken the metaphorical black eye or bloody nose for being a Christian, maybe it's because your nose and your face is pointing to the ground as you're bowing down to the gods around you. And you're not standing up to keep God number one in your life. This is a tough decision that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to make. They're not looking at the metaphorical black eye. They're looking at losing their life by being thrown into the blazing furnace. How do they respond? Here's what we're told. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to, to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Talk about amazing faith. Unbelievable. They say, King, we don't need to defend ourselves. Uh, The God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will. He will deliver us. Did that mean that they fully believed that they weren't going to be harmed when they get thrown into the fire? No. Because what they say next. But even if he does not, we're not going to serve your God. What were they confident in? God's going to deliver us one way or another, King. It's either going to be he's going to deliver us and save us from this fire and we're going to keep living, or you're going to throw us in, we're going to die, and God's going to deliver us by bringing us home to heaven. Either way, we're fine. Either way, we're not going to worship the God you want us to because God has number one, the number one place in our heart. We're not going to bow down. They made the tough decision. And here's what, how Nebuchadnezzar responded. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Such an urgent message from King Nebuchadnezzar. Tie him up immediately. Thrown in, fully dressed, and the, the heat turned up seven times hotter that his own soldiers died. That's how hot it was. And they get thrown into the blazing furnace. Remember, they have no idea if they're going to live or not. They're just not going to bow down and worship this gold image. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Earlier, before King Nebuchadnezzar throws 
them into the fiery furnace. He says, bow down because what other, what God will be able to save you from my hand? What God? The true God, the only God, the God of the world can and did save them from the king's hand. How? There was a fourth walking there in the fire. There was another in the fire with them. Who was it? Who was the fourth guy? Well, it could have either been an angel. Some people believe that it was actually this, the second person of the Trinity, the pre-incarnate Christ, before he was born, came to deliver his people. Either way, God delivered his people. Even And to the point where Nebuchadnezzar completely changes his attitude. And at the very end, he says what? No other God can save in this way. And so here's the point I want you to take home today. God's power to save is greater than the world's power to destroy. God's power to save is greater than the world's power to destroy. The devil incites the world to try to get us to bow down and worship at the threat of destruction. At the threat of losing our reputation, our friends, uh, our careers, our lives. And it's scary because the world's power to destroy is great. But God's power to save is greater. No other God can save in this way. Not even ourselves. And so why in the world would we want to worship any God in addition to the God that we serve? We don't. Because no other God can save in this way. The point of this miracle was not to say that this is how God always saves his people. God isn't always going to save us from the the burning furnace uh, here on earth. The point of the miracle was not to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a stronger faith than you and me. The point of the miracle was to say God can and does deliver his people from the blazing furnace. He has the power to save and no other God can save in this way. And God does deliver his people. Not necessarily from the blazing furnace of Nebuchadnezzar, but from the blazing furnace of hell. When Jesus was here on earth, he he told a parable in Matthew chapter 13 about the wheat and the weeds and how at the end of time, the weeds represent all evil, represent sin, represent those who do sin. And Jesus says that at the end, the weeds will be torn up and thrown into the blazing furnace of hell. That's what sin has earned. The blazing furnace of hell. That's where evil goes, the blazing furnace. And that's where you and I and all people deserve to go, is to the blazing furnace of hell. And yet our God has saved us. Our God has delivered us. How? He doesn't just zap us out. He doesn't pull us out. No. Our God jumps into the blazing furnace. Our God takes our place and jumps into the blazing furnace of hell for us. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus died? Jesus was in prayer and and he was sweating. He was under such pressure 
that his sweat was like drops of blood. I heard a pastor say one time that in that moment, it's almost like the, the door to hell, the blazing furnace of hell was open and Jesus could feel the heat coming from hell. And there he prayed, Father, if there's any other way to save mankind, take this cup from me. If there's any other way to save them without me jumping into the fires of hell for them in their place, let it be. But your will be done. But there is no other way. Either us or him. And so what did Jesus do? He jumped into the blazing furnace of hell for us. And at 9 o'clock on Good Friday, Jesus was nailed to the cross, jumping full on into hell, into the blazing furnace. I came across a picture which uh, illustrates this so perfectly. And so here it is. Let's check it out. In that picture, you see Jesus on the cross and the fires of hell against his back. And notice the person at the ground. Nothing. The fires aren't touching them. And that's what happened with you, for you and me. Our God jumped into the blazing furnace in our place to save us. There's another in the fire with us and he is guarding and protecting us because he took the fires of hell. He felt the blazing furnace of hell for you and me so that we would never feel that. And now, here's the encouragement from God in Isaiah chapter 43 for you and me. He says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God knows you personally. And he has called you by your name. And he has redeemed you, bought you. And how did he do it? His only son. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because Jesus took your place. He went into the blazing furnace of hell for you and me. No other God saves in this way. No other God gets into the blazing furnace for you and with you. No other God does this except for your God, the God of this world. No other God saves like this. He has the power to save, and it's greater than the world's power to destroy. This is your hope. This is your security. That as your life ends, you will not face the blazing furnace of hell, but you will be taken home to heaven because your God has gone into the fire for you. So why in the world would we ever want to worship any other God besides the God of this world, besides Jesus? Why would we want to have any other God in addition to this God? We don't. And so we want to stand. We want to stand even as the heat and the pressure is turned up against us. We want to stand and not bow down to any other God because no other God can save in this way. So what is it if we lose our reputation? What is it if we lose our career, our, our jobs, our spot? What if we lose our life? Our God has the power to save and he does. And he has saved us from the blazing furnace of hell. I don't know if you caught it at the very end, but at the very end, Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God 
of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As we stand up for God and we keep him uh, the number one in our life, and we don't worship any God but him, we might just see a miracle happen in our life. And as we do, how great will it be for other people to see it and for them to say, praise be to the God of your name. What a day that will be. Let's give him the opportunity as we, let's give God the opportunity to work a miracle as we trust him. We stand firm and we worship no God but him because no other God saves the way our God does. Amen. We will close our service with prayer and then the Lord's Prayer and then we'll sing a closing song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you that you save us from the blazing furnace of hell. We we thank you that you sent your only son to be our substitute and to go into the, the fiery furnace of hell for us. No other God saves this way. No other God would ever think of saving this way because they're all false gods. You are the true God who saves. And we thank you for being with us not only today, but through any fiery trials that we have. Uh, You are with us, and you promise that uh, we will come out on the other side and we will live forever in heaven with you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, your guidance in our life. And we ask that you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts to strengthen our faith so that we can stand firm. We ask you to be with our country as uh, more and more states are starting to have their plans to open up. We ask you to be with everyone. Watch over them. Uh, Don't let there be a big spike in the virus, uh, but instead let uh, the virus start to die out. We ask that you be with everyone who is sick. Be with those, the doctors and the nurses, uh, and let a cure be found. Give strength, give comfort, give peace, and give rest. We ask all this. In Jesus' name, it's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.